and I've got an urban legend to tell y'all. It's an old ghost story that my family has been passing down for generations. Now, I just called it an urban legend, but it's totally a true story. Nothing can be verified indefinitely, and that's what makes it a legend. But there are some clues that were left that indicate this actually happened, which I'll mention at the end. Here we go. This story starts off in Nevada, and that's all I'm going to say about the location. We don't know exactly what year, but it was sometime during the 1880s, maybe late 70s. Anyway, the locale of this little tale is in a small valley town. I wouldn't say more than about 20 to 25 people lived there at the time. I have not been able to verify this town's existence, but honestly, I can't imagine how many Lost Valley towns there were way out west in the early days. But according to legend, this town was buried on purpose. It starts on the night of a meteor shower. Now back then, they really didn't know what they were since they didn't have the news or the weather channel. But apparently, it was going on long enough that two guys, they were named uh, Smokey and Billy, went up on the roof of the general store to keep watching it after everybody else had gotten bored. They're up there wondering how far away these shooting stars are, when they see one that was apparently so close that they could visibly see it in the sky above them. As in, they could make out the outline and see the tail and everything. In fact, one flew so close by they could actually feel the rush of wind as it blew by. They even witnessed it crash into the mountains with a huge explosion. It must have been a very small meteorite, since it didn't cause any massive shockwaves or leave any lasting impact and that the general populace knows about anyway. The explosion boom brought the whole town outside. It was your typical western town, one main road with various buildings and so on, and everybody is out on the road with their torches talking about what had happened, who had seen it, and is it God Almighty himself coming down from heaven? Smokey and Billy tell everybody what they saw, and that one of the shooting stars might have crashed or otherwise landed in the nearby mountains. It looked like it had landed on a well-known-to-the-mountain lake up near a small peak. But now, these mountains are miles away. It would take about a half day on horseback to get to the base of the mountains, but that is exactly what they decide on doing. Smokey and Billy are joined by their friends, Jack and Angelie, and the sheriff was going too. He was a real hard-nosed sheriff by how the story has been told. No nonsense, straight as an arrow, and probably had an awesome mustache. So, all these guys are excited about their little adventure, when the town Doc has to go and almost ruin everything. Doc was obviously the smartest guy in town, and if you can picture a Doc from any Western Shore movie that you've ever seen, who seems to know everything, it's this guy. Anyway, he tells them that they need to be careful, because this thing came from space, and it could have some kind of harmful effects on humans, like toxic space fumes or spores or something. He also mentioned that it was doubtful that they would even find the actual crash site. It might look like it landed on the peak, but it could be much higher and inaccessible. 
the group doesn't pay any attention, and Smokey says that they'll bring Doc back a piece of the shrapnel. So the next day, they gather their crap and they head out. They're all armed, of course, and they're cowboys after all. And besides, this was Indian country. Anyway, it only takes about half the day to get to the mountain base where the trail starts. They might have actually been there sooner, but they didn't ride very hard. They enjoyed the open prairie and BSing with each other. And they weren't too cautious either. Not a single sign of any Indians. So they reached the mountain base and they started heading up the trails. And they could still ride their horses about halfway up the mountain before they had to go out on foot. These trails had been walked before, so there was a makeshift horse rail at the trailhead that someone made at some point in time where it got treacherous for horses. The trail got steep, but this particular area was pretty heavily wooded as well. So even if the trail wasn't as steep as it was, there was no way the horses could have made it through the woods. Since they didn't want to leave their horses here alone for too long, they decided to camp here for the night. They set up a campfire and they did the usual bullcrap people did. And they told some stories, ate food, and then they hit the sack. They woke up early the next morning and set out on the hard part of the trail. It was hard work getting up this trail, but boy, was it worth it to reach this lake they were headed to. Anyway, as they got closer and closer, Smokey, I think it was him, apparently looked up at one point and noticed the trees were getting shorter and the sun seemed to be getting brighter. Hey, you guys, look up. Look at some of these trees. The goddamn tops have been sheared off. This gets the guys all excited and they stop and look up to take it in. Jack especially is all giddy about how close they must be getting. Angelie is the furthest back and apparently calls out. Whoever gets there first, find a good rock to take back to the dock. And that son of a bitch. Jokingly. Now the peak where they were headed was kind of an oasis. There was a medium to large sized lake completely surrounded by the mountains and trees. There was only the one trail that led to this lake in the mountains. There would probably be some kind of a resort there nowadays if it was still accessible. Anyway, the meteor had indeed crashed exactly where they thought. Right in the middle of this resort-like lake. Each one of the guys stopped dead in their tracks upon entering the clearing and seeing the destruction. They all mumble some kind of surprised expression. Jesus H. Christ, driving a horse-drawn buggy, Smokey murmurs. I guess we won't be coming back here anymore, the sheriff says. There was rubble littering the area from the impact. I mean, this place was trashed, completely destroyed, and the lake itself was finished, as one of the guys apparently stated. There were pieces of rock everywhere. There's trees destroyed and tipped over. There were broken trees still smoking from small fires that put themselves out. But what was the most interesting is what was in the lake itself. From what they recount, there is this large piece of metal sticking out of the lake, with a couple of smaller pieces near the top sticking out on either side. A couple guys started moving closer to the lake and the sheriff got all mad and safety oriented. 
Everyone be careful now, goddammit. The sheriff says, Watch out for sharp rocks. Don't pick up anything misshaped too much. Rocks can be sharp as knives. They moved up to the shoreline and everybody notices this large thing sticking out of the water. Someone, Billy will say, asks what it could be. They don't know that it's metallic at this point. Angeli was a blacksmith, so he mentioned, It looks like some kind of metal. He picked up a nearby stone and he threw it at it. It hits the object with a ping. It's definitely metallic. Jack is leaning over, trying to look into the water. He blurts out, oh, Holy shit, guys. I can see something further down in the water it's connected to. They all peer into the lake where he is pointing, and sure enough, the metal shaft was connected to an even larger object deep underneath. It was too deep, though, and the water was murky from all the dirt and rubble the crash had caused. All they could make out was a silhouette. Billy was way too curious about this. He was like, Well, let's swim down there. I bet we can get a better look before we have to come up for air. There's a couple murmurs of agreement and a couple of the guys start loosening some of their clothes like they're going to dive in. The sheriff gets all pissed again. And it's a good thing he was there though. Now wait just a goddamn minute. He paused and he surveyed the water. Nobody go on the water. Look at all these fish that are belly up. Nobody had noticed with all the excitement of the destruction and the mysterious metal shaft. There was dead fish floating in the water. A lot of them, mostly concentrated near the shaft. Jack is surprised. What in the hell? While everybody is focused on the fish, he notices that the water is messed up too. Look at the water, it's like something's in it. They all looked a little closer and sure enough, the water looked weird. There was like a discoloration to it. In all the excitement, they hadn't noticed it even though they were just looking in the water trying to see what was down there. Now with the advent of technology, the description of water has changed a little bit. I think the easiest way for me to describe how it looked is if you think about water and oil mixing. You kind of get like a rainbow hue, only this wasn't as strong. And they're all kind of farting around on the shore when Billy sees a turtle in the sand a few feet away, crawling around near the shoreline. Look at the turtle, it's alive. He bent down to pick it up. It was a smaller turtle, about the size of a softball. Don't touch it, the sheriff says gruffly. It's too late though. Billy picks it up and finds it has a coating of whatever was in the water. Smokey gets all pissed off this time. God damn it now, look at you got that shit all over your hands. Billy was holding the turtle in his left hand while he used his right to make fists and run his fingers over the thin substance. Apparently, it had a silvery hue to it out of the water. He describes the feeling to the other guys, saying that it feels slippery, it doesn't burn or hurt at all. Angeli doesn't like this either, and he yells at Billy too. Don't touch your goddamn mouth. In fact, just put the turtle down and wipe your hands. Doc says don't touch your eyes or mouth if you get that shit on your hands until you wash it off. 
Does anybody got any blasted soap? Smokey says he does, but didn't have time to get it out of the bag. Billy yells out suddenly, probably scaring the ever-loving crap out of everybody. Ow! This son of a gun turtle just bit me. The turtle had bitten the part of his hand between his thumb and index finger, the soft webbing that some people call it. Concerned and annoyed, Angeli says, I don't know why you picked it up. There's snappers in these parts, you know. Smokey disagrees. That ain't no snapper. It's way too small. By this point, Billy had thrown the turtle down in the sand. Gosh, it drew blood. He says, showing his hand to everybody. Now, personally, I was always skeptical of the turtle bite part since turtles don't have teeth. But apparently, if a normal river turtle bites hard enough, its beak could be capable of drawing blood. They're all looking at the hand and Jack mentions what a pissed off little turtle it must have been. The sheriff is the only one looking at the turtle laying in the sand. That turtle looks like crap, he says gruffly. Look at him. Everybody gathers around where the turtle is. It was on its back, writhing around in the sand for a few seconds, before it corrected itself. It didn't look like a normal turtle anymore. Apparently the look of the turtle has changed over the years, and depending on who's telling the story. But either way, I guess its normal green and brown hues were gone. It was like a grayish color almost, an ugly looking gray. Smokey makes a conjecture about the way the turtle looks. It looks like it's dead. Billy gets all upset. Well, it's obviously not. He holds up his hand again. He wasn't bleeding so bad to speak, but there was enough to see that the turtle had got him good. Angeli gets all bent up and out of shape about cleaning the wound again, saying, We have got to get that stuff washed off quick. Get water from a canteen and get that soap over here. They patched Billy up and spent the next couple hours looking around. And they gathered some rocks, looked at, and climbed destroyed trees, and tried to get a look at whatever was in the water from every possible angle without getting too close. More turtles were popping up on the beach and the guys were kicking them back in. Also a few waterfowls or birds of some kind had flown over the area and made their way towards the water but none of them had landed. I guess they stopped dead in their tracks a couple feet above the water, flapped their wings and then hovered in place and then flew off. Like they somehow knew or sensed that the water was bad news. Somebody makes a comment about it, and Smokey chides Billy by saying the birds are smarter than he was, since they knew that the water was garbage. They decide that it's time to go, so they stand around discussing their plan of action. They decide to try and get home that day and get Billy to the dock. They'll be going downhill this time and they'll ride a lot harder home than they did on the way in. The sheriff isn't so sure though. Hmm, looks like clouds are rolling in. It don't look like rain, but there won't be any moon. We're not going to make it home. Let's get back to the horses and camp there. They gather their stuff and they start down. They actually did make pretty good time at first, but then Billy starts to lag. Eventually, he stops and bends over to catch his breath. Smokey asks if he's okay. 
Billy shakes his head, saying, I don't know. I forgot where I was going for a second there, and now I can't catch my breath. Yeah, you can probably guess where this is heading. Anyway, on account of Billy's newfound lethargy, they didn't make great time back to the horses. It almost took double what it should have going down the hill. So they get back to the horses and Angeli says Billy looks like hell. That turtle, it had to have some kind of disease and now Billy's infected. He still thinks they should make a run for home that night. We're not going to make it down these wooded hills in the dark. The sheriff reiterates. And if we did, we need to cross the plains home. We'd never see an Indian attack coming if we're out there. Jack and Smokey both agree. So they set up camp again and they make a fire. The night comes and sure enough, it's pitch black without the moon. They're all kind of hanging out, sitting around the fire and Billy just keeps putting on more clothes. It wasn't a very cold night, but even then Billy was sweating up a storm. It looked like he had pure sweat on his face, and like somebody had dumped a bucket of water on him. He ain't gonna last the dang night, Angeli said, pointing his stick with a hot dog on it at Billy. I'm telling ya, we should have tried to get him home. There were mumbling and murmurs from the rest of the guys on what they should have done. At this point, Billy kind of stands up and steps away from the fire, and then lays himself on the ground. Apparently it looks like he just fell, but he had laid on his blanket down on the ground like he was going to bed so nobody really knew what to think. Night, Smokey says without turning away from the fire. The guys stay by the fire, but after only a few minutes, Billy starts moving on the ground. He rolls back and forth for a few seconds and then full-on starts convulsing. Jesus H. Smokey yells, throwing his sausage down. The rest of the guys all huddled around Billy. None of them even knew what a seizure was, so they didn't know what to do. Help him, for Christ's sake. Jack yells. Hold him down. And the sheriff hollers. He's gonna hit his head. And for your information... Never tried to hold down to prevent movement from somebody seizing, but like I said, they didn't know what was going on. After what seemed like an hour, but it was only a couple of minutes, and Billy stopped seizing, lets out a raspy groan which probably let all the air out of his lungs, and then he stops moving. Billy! Angeli slaps his face. Jesus Christ, Smokey says. He's stone cold. He was holding Billy's non-bitten hand. After a minute or two of trying to wake Billy up, the sheriff speaks up. He's dead. Nobody can believe it. He didn't look good, Jack stammers. He looks like that gosh dang turtle, Angeli says gravely. I guess Billy was looking pale, not so much gray I guess. But over the years of telling this tale, and each generation makes their own conjectures. But I like to say that Billy looked like the life had left him before he died. You're not supposed to look that color as soon as you die is a thing. It takes time for life to fade out of somebody's body after they die. The sheriff lets out a long sigh. 
All right, listen up. He was fine this morning, and that turtle bit him, and now he's dead. Nobody touched the body. If you did, wash your hands right now. Wrap him up in a blanket and slide him away from where we'll be sleeping. We need to get his body to the dock for an autopsy. They cleaned up dinner before messing with Billy's body. They found a nice spot under a tree away from the camp to stash the body. Smoking and share for the ones that had moved him. They each grabbed a tuft of blanket, parts which hadn't touched Billy, and they slid him over to the tree. Poor son of a gun, Smokey said as they stood over him. They turned around, but they didn't walk away yet. Any next to kin you know of? The sheriff asked. Before Smokey could answer, there was a growl behind him. I guess it was guttural, savage, like feral even. And then another. I guess Smokey and the sheriff stopped talking as soon as they heard the growl and they kind of stood there looking at each other without saying anything for a couple of seconds. After the second growl, they slowly continued turning around to find Billy sitting up. They're kind of just standing there looking baffled, not sure what to think for a few seconds, and before Billy snarls or growls and then lunges forward. He moves fast. He's on his feet in a second. What the? Is all Smokey can get out before the sheriff lets out a pissed off, painful howl. Ugh! Is all the sheriff can muster, probably trying to say something, my guess. Billy's got the sheriff's left hand in his mouth. He's got it by the fatty part in the outside of his hand, below the pinky. Sheriff had gotten his hand up, otherwise Billy might have gotten his neck straight away. Jesus Christ, you guys! Smokey is yelling as he tries to get Billy off the sheriff by hitting his head with his hand. Jack and Angelie come rushing over. Holy Christ! Angelie shouts. Him and Jack also start hitting Billy. He ain't dead? Jack is yelling. Billy lets go of the sheriff at this point and Sheriff staggers away from the area holding his hand. The other three guys are standing there looking at Billy and Jack. His chin and lower jaw are soaked and dripping in red blood. His skin had absolutely no color whatsoever. And the look in his eyes is so wild it's like the thousand yard stare from the devil himself. Billy rushed at the other three guys at this point. With a raspy growl and they scatter in different directions. Don't let him bite you. Smokey yells. It almost sounds kind of funny. Billy is running after anything that moves and Smokey, Jack, and Angelie are running all over the camp to avoid him. Each guy lets out a screech whenever they see Billy is locked onto them. And the horses don't like it either. Amid all the commotion, they're rearing up and bucking. And lucky for them, by the time Billy notices them and he starts going after them, they've broken off their horse rail and they're on their way down the trail. The guys gather by the fire to catch their breath when Billy turns around and starts running back at them. There's a sudden boom that most likely causes all three men to crap their pants. Billy stops. The boom continues, and the last one puts Billy on his back. Sheriff comes walking out of the shadows with a gun drawn in front of him. Sheriff reloads as the other guys got their own guns out of their sleeping bags. He dead? Jack asks. Of course he's dead, 
Angelie returns. Yeah, well, we thought that before. Jack reiterates. Just as everybody calms down, Billy starts to move again. That's impossible. Smokey said as Billy stands up. Hit him again. The sheriff hollers. They all blast him and Billy goes down again. The sheriff doesn't empty this time though. He walks over to Billy and just stands over him for a few seconds. And sure enough, Billy sits up again and the sheriff blows his head off. Everybody's quiet for what feels like a year. That did it. Smokey says finally. They all gather around Billy's body. Doc isn't going to believe this, Jack says. Well, he'll have to, the sheriff says. Four men telling him the same story and once he gets a look at the body, there should not be any doubt. If anything, the autopsy will show something made Billy sick. Smokey is looking grim once he realizes something. Um, he starts. I'm not saying we need to shoot anybody, but... I already thought of that, the sheriff says. He was standing over the fire now, running his hand over it and wincing every few passes. He was cauterizing his bite. That's pretty hardcore. I'm bit. That sick turtle bit Billy and he turned it to some kind of demon. And now Billy bit me. What do we do? Angelie asked. The weather hasn't changed. Still way too dark to risk all our lives trying to get me to the dock tonight. And the sheriff says. So, here's what we're going to do. He bends down and he picks up some rope out of his gear. Smokey, you tie some pretty mean knots. Tie me to that tree there and if I end up like Billy, my growling and rasping should wake you all up and I won't be able to bite anybody. I don't think I'll be able to sleep tonight, Smokey says. You have to get some, the sheriff says. First light, we have to be gone. So the guys bag Billy up again in his sleeping bag and pull him away from the camp. Angela lets out a long sigh. We're going to have to drag his ass all the way back home. That's why we have to leave as soon as the sun starts rising. The sheriff says as he sits down next to his tree. It was a smaller tree. Small enough to wrap a rope around sheriff's torso. And around the tree trunk a couple of times and knot it off. Smokey asks if it's too tight and sheriff says that it's just tight enough. If things go bad, the sheriff doesn't want himself to be able to wiggle free. Everybody says their good nights and they try to fall asleep. It's hard to say if anybody actually got much sleep, but Smokey is up first. He jolts awake nervously and finds the sun is on its way up. The clouds have cleared out so he wakes everybody else up. They all kind of panic and they look over at the sheriff. He's sitting there still tied up, with his head slumped down on his chest. You dead? Jack asks. Sheriff raises his head and looks at the guys. I ain't dead yet. How do you feel? Smokey asks him. My hand hurts like hell. The sheriff returns. It's been hours, Angelie says. And by this time, Billy was looking like hell. You look like you still have some color. 
Maybe it didn't transfer from Billy. And Jack offers. The sheriff tells them they don't have time to figure it out now. And that's the doc's job. So they gather the crap up and they head down to the trail. Dragging Billy behind them tied up in his sleeping bag. They have a stroke of luck here. Something they sorely needed. Dragging Billy downhill made it easier. But when they get down the trail, they find Sheriff's horse just hanging out a couple hundred feet out on the prairie, drinking from a small ditch. He whistles and it comes running and they strap Billy over him. They head home as fast as they can, and they get there in late afternoon. When they get back, they enter town down the main street and there's a couple people here and there. Some shop owners standing out in front of their place enjoying the weather, etc. The general store owner comes running up to them and he's like, Where the hell's Billy? He's dead. The sheriff returns quickly. We need to get to the dock right now. By now, more people are popping out wherever they were hiding. They get up to the dock's place with a train of people in tail all wondering what the hell is going on and not getting any answers. Was it Indians? Was it an animal? Did he shoot himself on accident? Doc hears the commotion and comes outside as they approach. He's looking at the horse, knowing full well there's a dead body in the sleeping bag, and then he sees the sheriff's bandaged up bloody red hand. Inside. Doc starts in on them as they put their sleeping bag up on the exam table. I told you it was a bad idea to go up there. What happened? He starts undoing the sleeping bag. The sheriff stops him. Hold on. Before you look, you need to hear what happened first. So they tell him the whole thing. Of course he doesn't believe them. Now I told you there could be a couple toxins up there. Some kind of space dust you inhaled that made you hallucinate. I sure hope I don't have to call the state marshals to start a murder investigation. Well, don't take our word for it, god dang it. Smokey says. Here you go. He whips open the sleeping bag, dock it untied. Doc jolted and jumped back. After a few seconds of staring, he starts getting closer again. He looks like Swiss cheese, doesn't he? Angelie says dryly. He bit the hell out of my hand. Damn near might have torn out my jugular if I hadn't gotten up in time. I made a judgment call afforded to me as a lawman. He tried biting everybody else, so I put him down. And then he got back up. People just don't get back up after getting shot. Doc says, not taking his eyes off of Billy's corpse. Well, he did, Jack says. And no, we didn't have any alcohol up there. Nobody even brought any. The headshot stopped him for good. Sheriff says, pointing to the huge hole in Billy's head. Doc kind of snaps out of his trance. Okay, so a turtle bit him, and by night, he was this? Yep, the sheriff says. There was something in that water. The turtle was covered in it. I'm gonna need that turtle to find out if it was carrying some kind of infection, the doc says. Doc and Sheriff start playing the whole who has more authority card. Nobody's going back up there, the sheriff says, 
It's too dangerous. Whatever that turtle had, it's safe to say Billy did too. The dog is staring at Billy again. It's like he's been dead for weeks. This happened overnight? Doc, it bit Sheriff too, Smokey says. He kind of says it with dread in his voice. Doc checks out his hand. That's quite a bite. Nice work on cauterizing it. I've got some antibiotics to start you on. Not sure if they'll help enough. The rest of the guys murmur quietly. Huh, I thought it looked worse yesterday. Smokey ponders. Why doesn't he look sick? Jack asks. Doc goes into a long spiel. There could be several reasons. I said the antibiotic may not help, because it sounds like whatever was transferred to Billy is probably viral. A couple things can happen when it comes to any disease, bacterial or viral. 99% of people who get infected, get sick and show signs, and be contagious and fall prey to whatever the disease causes, up to death depending what it is. The other 1% could be three different things. First, you could straight up be immune to the disease. For whatever reason, it's not able to overcome your immune system. You won't show signs and you won't be sick. And you won't be contagious. I hope he's immune. Angeli interrupts. Doc doesn't miss a beat. The second thing is, you could be a carrier. That means you're infected, but you don't feel sick and you don't show symptoms. You are still contagious, however. How will we know if he's immune or carrying? Smokey asked. I'll have to do some blood tests. I'll probably have to run cultures, which takes time. What's the third thing that can happen? The sheriff asked. Well, we don't have to worry about that one since you would already be showing. But the last thing that can happen is the pathogen completely mutates your DNA. Once it enters your body, within hours your body could start changing physically. Muscle tissue overgrowth, skeletal growth or shrinkage, severe decrease or increase of mental function. The list of physical changes could be endless. So, until we know, I need to act like I'm the carrier, the sheriff says. That's correct, the doc returns. Don't be using the public outhouse. Only prepare your own food and keep that hand wrap tight. Doc says that he needs to go home and stay there and run his office off his front porch. So they all leave the doc's place as he gets ready to do the autopsy on Billy. Doc only has one nurse with him, but she was more like an assistant than an actual nurse. They glove up and get their table ready. It's at this point that the shit really starts, and honestly, it was a complete freak accident. At this point, Doc instructs the nurse to remove Billy's teeth for dental records while he examines what's left of Billy's brain. Doc has a suspicion that whatever made Billy sick specifically affected his brain, given that he apparently went insane and tried to attack everyone. Doc was also interested in the brain because that was what eventually stopped Billy for good when he was shot there. Okay, the doc starts. So, his brain appears to be covered in a foreign substance of some kind. Most of the blood is coagulated and dried, but this appears to still be moist. I can verify that it's silver in hue. 
He's telling the nurse so she will be able to help him write his notes. So this next part is what screws everything up. The doc is poking around the brain and he must have hit a nerve of some kind. Whatever he hits causes Billy's jaw to close hard really quick. And you remember what the nurse is doing. She's trying to pry his teeth out. Despite being dead, Billy manages to bite the nurse's finger hard. She lets out a cry and the doc gets all worried. It didn't break skin, did it? He asked hurriedly. They both make a huge mistake here. The nurse lies and says that it didn't break skin when it did. And the doc also doesn't ask to look at it. He can't seem to pry himself away from Billy's carcass. The nurse says that she's going to just go wash her hand really quick to be safe and sound, and the doc lets her. She comes back with a bandaid on her finger, but since the gloves they were wearing were opaque, doc doesn't notice. The doc moves onto the torso and cuts Billy open. There is silvery stuff everywhere. It was definitely in his bloodstream. I think I might be able to isolate the sample. They wrap up what they're doing after a couple of hours and the nurse goes home while the doc writes his notes. It's dusk by now so everybody will be hitting the sack shortly enough. But the doc is up all night though. More on that later. And that was also the last night in that town's existence. Angley, Jack, and Smokey had gone out looking for the horses after leaving docks, but they didn't have any luck. They decided to shack up in a small hut a couple miles outside of town. It was getting late and the person who had owned that house had died a couple of months prior. Anyway, they wake up early before the sun is even up, and they decide the horses are long gone so they just head back to town. The sun is starting to come up when they reach town, and they can see before they even get there, a lot of people are already up and walking around. Smokey thinks that this is strange, saying, And I thought we were up early. Seems like the whole town is already up and at em. And they get to town and the sun is up, but it was just dark enough that they didn't notice what was going on. Jack sees a guy that he recognizes and calls out, Hey, Mac. Mac stops and turns around, and the three guys all stop dead in their tracks. Half of Mac's face is gone, and all that's left is half muscle tissue and half of it straight down to the bone. And the rest of his body isn't much better. He starts shambling towards the guys. Not a full-scale sprint, but not exactly slow either. Oh shit, it's Brad! Smokey calls out. Nobody else has time to call out. Smokey and Angley retreat while Jack stands his ground and shoots Mac. His head! Angley yells. Mac goes down with a boom. Everybody else on the street turns their attention to the guys and starts shambling towards them. Some were missing all the assortments of limbs, from fingers to hands to arms. Most were missing large chunks of flesh. Apparently one in particular had no flesh at all on their head and it was just a skeleton head on a decayed body. The whole town? Smokey yells. They all shoot off a couple of rounds before realizing that the whole town is gone. Now they don't know anything about what had happened during the autopsy, but remember the nurse? Yeah, she went off somewhere and died during the night. The bad news was that she was living in the town inn, 
For the time being, since the lantern had tipped over and started a small fire where she lived. Anyway, nobody knows who she bit first, but you know how it goes. She ate someone, they came back and they ate somebody else. The whole town is probably gone within the hour. Run! Angley yells. They scatter as the horde approaches. Smokey and Angley duck into the saloon while Jack disappears somewhere else. What do we do? Angley shrieks. I don't know. Don't make any noise, just shut the hell up. Smokey says. It was too late though. A couple of zombies were already heading towards the saloon. Upstairs! Smokey yells. They hear a couple gunshots outside, probably from Jack. They start upstairs and almost get there when the door to the room at the top of the stairs flies open. And a zombie snarls and tackles Angeli who was going first. Angeli and the zombie falls back, while Smokey reacts and backs up against the banister. They tumble down to the bottom of the stairs. It's a grisly sight. The zombie starts eating Angeli right away. He hits it a couple of times and he tries to get a shot off. But by this time, a bunch more zombies had burst through the saloon swinging double door and they start at it too. Smokey gets upstairs and he realizes that he's cornered. So he steps over the railing and he jumps down to the bar. He quickly jumps down behind it. What has been described as Angeli getting eaten alive sounds pretty awful. Smokey sees a zombie a couple feet away, with an arm and another one has his leg nearby. The screams before being cut off and a gurgling grunt sound like something you simply can't unhear. So Smokey is hiding behind the bar, wondering what the hell he was going to do. It sounds like the zombies had picked Angeli clean, though they seem to just be shambling around. It's like they forgot that he was there. Smokey morbidly thinks to himself, Angeli isn't going to look too good when he rises back up. Smokey hid for what seemed like an eternity when he heard loud footsteps coming from the doorway. It was definitely hooves. He pops up and he sees the sheriff riding his whole damn horse into the saloon, a bunch of zombies behind him. He's got a shotgun on him and he blasts the two zombies nearest to him. They were close enough together to get them both and their heads basically explode. He gets a second shotty blast off and he throws the whole gun at the nearby zombie. It was a double barrel so he only had two shots. Anyway, this catches everybody else's attention but he already has his pistol out. He gets maybe three more before the horde behind him catches up. His horse freaks out and bucks him off so Sheriff crawls on the floor under some tables away from the zombies. It's kind of sad, he's able to escape because they get his horse. Out the back! Sheriff yells at Smokey, and they scurry out of the back door. What happened? Smokey yells. I don't know. I came into town to see the doc and I found everybody was like Billy. Doc's got his place locked up tight, the curtains drawn and everything. We need to find Jack, the Smokey says. He's on his own, the Sheriff says. We need help and we need it now. Huh? Smokey says. Sheriff quickly explains the help he wants to get is from the friendly Indians nearby, a couple miles southeast. Which tribe it was has changed over the years, but most people seem to think that it was the Paiute. Smokey agrees that they need the help, so they sneak down to the south end of town. 
Sheriff leads them down to the dock's place, where he has Angelie's horse tied up with it to a horse rail. There's a bag laying on the ground with a rope tied around it connected to the saddle. The bag clearly has a body in it. I found Angelie's horse screwing around on my property this morning. I brought it in and I tied Jones up to him after I had to kill him. I want to show those Indians exactly what we're up against. The sheriff explains. They mount up and ride away as a bunch of zombies are headed towards them. Once they're in the clear, Smokey asks, You really think that they'll help us? I've actually talked to them quite a few times, Sheriff says. They're a spiritual people. They have rich folklore. The way they talk about their ancestry. I bet they have some kind of story dealing with the dead. If anything, I'm sure they'll have some warriors they can spare to help us kill these damn things. Smokey doesn't argue. They ride out a couple miles until they come across a scouting party. The village is a short ways past them. It seems like one of the Indians recognized Sheriff. He waves at him and the Indian motions with his hand to his buddies and starts riding out to meet them. Sheriff talks to his friend, who comes to be known as Buffalo, about what is going on. He doesn't show Buffalo what's in his bag, but he agrees to take them to the chief. Now we call him Buffalo because his name was something Indian sounding, like rides with Buffalo or runs with bison or something. But apparently Smokey called him Buffalo slash horse on accident at some point because he forgot his name. And plus Buffalo horse is a lot easier to write than rides with Buffalo. So there you go. Anyway, they get to the chief's teepee and Sheriff and Smokey wait outside a minute and untie Jones from the horse. Buffalo horse comes out and says the chief will see them. They go inside dragging Jones behind them. And they see the chief and what must be his council all sitting on the ground. The chief says something in their native language. Why have you come and what do you bring with you? The person sitting next to the chief translates. We've got ourselves a little problem. Sheriff begins. The guy translates. The dead have come back to life. We need your help stopping it. The translator looks surprised, but almost reluctantly translates. The chief appears to ponder the statement while giving Sheriff a steely gaze. Look here, Sheriff says, unveiling Jones. Jones raises his head and snarls. He wasn't actually dead. The consul and everybody else in the teepee jump to their feet and let out murmurs of shock and surprise. One member of the consul yells loudly something in their language, and then rushes over and buries his tomahawk into Jones' head. I thought you said he was dead. Smokey whispers to Sheriff. I lied. Sheriff whispers back. We've got a town full of these, Sheriff says. The council all deliberate. It seems like they might be telling the chief to tell Sheriff and Smokey to go screw themselves. The chief speaks and the translator translates. You will take Buffalo Horse and Fish River with you. They will help you kill them and make sure none are left. And of course his name is in Fish River. He was the top fisherman in the tribe, so his name is related to that. I wanted to say it was swims with fish or runs with the river, but either way I don't know for sure and once again, Fish River is a lot easier to write out. I hope nobody's offended by these nicknames. 
So, Buffalo Horse and Fish River leave to gather their weapons. The chief says something to Sheriff and Smokey in English as they're leaving the tent. Beware the bite of the dead man. Thank you, Sheriff says, not just for that tidbit of information, but for their help as a whole. Beware the bite was the first damn thing that we learned, Smokey says once they're outside. Yeah, I told you they'd have some kind of knowledge about this. You see that one guy went straight for the head. Buffalo, Horace, and Fish River ride over. Alright, man, Sheriff says. Looks like we've got a town to clean up. The Indians lend Smokey a spare horse and the four of them ride back towards town. They get about a mile from town when they start noticing some stragglers. There's a couple of townsfolk who had shambled out of town and are just lost wandering the open land. Buffalo, Horace, and Fish River take the opportunity to show what they can do. Buffalo Horace uses his bow and pulls off a miraculous headshot from about 50 yards out. Fish River rides up to his guy and smokes him in the head with some kind of club, the force of which knocks the whole rotting head off the shoulders. Anyway, they make a startling discovery at this point. A little past these two stragglers, they find a cow just standing in the middle of nowhere, its entire side missing flesh with its ribcage and half of its guts on the ground next to it. After putting it down, they realize that they're going to have to sweep the entire countryside of all around town not just of zombies wandering off, but any animals they happen to eat along the way. They decide to split up and do a wide circle around town to clean up anything they find, before moving into town proper. A lot of people's houses they decide to clear first too. Most of them were single story and only a room or two. Smokey and Fish River and Sheriff and Buffalo Horse. They start at the south and ride their way to the north side of town. They find a couple stragglers that they put down, and Sheriff ends up finding his horse as well, half limping after some kind of desert rodent to eat it. It was probably nice for Sheriff to put him down for good, in a morbid kind of way. After checking the outskirts of town and cleaning up a few stragglers, they're now ready to head into town. They come up from the north side and are immediately met with about six or seven zombies right off the bat. Buffalo and Fish are quiet about it, but Smokey up and just blows somebody's head off which obviously attracts everyone. They get off their horses and slap their ass and holler to get them to run off for the time being so that they don't get eaten, and then they duck into the incense it's the nearest building. Smokey grabs the cavalry sword that's hanging on the wall as a decoration. Immediately inside the building, there's two zombies standing at the main desk, which Fish promptly slices one up while Smokey uses his new sword on the other. Might as well clear this building first, Sheriff says. Check every room. They head upstairs and find most of the rooms empty. The room at the end of the hallway has two zombies trying to get in it. They're just walking into the door repeatedly and hitting it softly with their hands all the while growling and hissing. Hey, is that Doc's nurse? Smokey points out one of them. Remember, they don't know that she started it. Anyway, the zombies hear his voice and turn around and hiss then shamble towards them. Buffalo chucks his tomahawk and takes down the nurse, and Sheriff uses his bowie knife on the other one. 
Is somebody out there? A voice calls from inside of the room. The guys all look at each other. Yeah. Sheriff returns. Hey, is that Jack? Smokey asked excitedly. Yeah. They hear what sounds like Jack moving a bunch of stuff away from the door. The door opens a minute later to a relieve Jack. It felt like I'd been in here for days. Hey, you brought some help. He says referring to the Indians. There's no time to celebrate. The zombies who noticed the guys going to the inn are now all shambling in through the entryway. Oh shit, Jack says. Everybody downstairs, the sheriff orders. They get back to the staircase which has a large open section to the floor below with a banister. And it's like a cafeteria with all the groans, hisses, and snarls down below. Zombies then notice the guys start trying to climb the stairs. It's pretty gross. Flesh hanging on the bones by a thread. Bones completely showing. People clamoring around dragging their entrails behind them. It's not a pretty picture. Light them up. Sheriff says. He opens fire. At this point, most of the zombies know that they're here, so who cares about the noise? And plus, they've created a decent choke point for themselves. Buffalo and Fish are using their bows while Sheriff, Smokey, and Jack start shooting. Buffalo is closest to the staircase and he takes one or two down with his knife and his tomahawk that are able to climb the stairs. They wait a few moments after killing what seemed like the last one. Okay, it looks like that wave is over. We'll head to the saloon in the general store next, Sheriff says. And so they head downstairs, carefully stepping over the rotted corpses and meet outside. Burn the building, Fish says. It'll destroy their corpses and the sickness that they bring. Are we going to have to burn the whole town down? Smokey says sadly. We burn it all. Sheriff says as he goes back into the inn. He comes out with a lit oil lantern. All traces of this have to go, he says. He tosses the lantern into the inn and it shatters, starting a fire. The nearby dead bodies go up almost immediately. We burn this town to the ground and any bodies along with it. We'll find a new place to live. We can head to Carson City and find something out that way. The general store was destroyed inside, and the rags toppled over and bloodstains on the floor everywhere. But the only one in there was the shopkeeper. The saloon had about three or so zombies in it. They were left over from Smokey and Sheriff's daring escape earlier. They found a couple zombies outside, yet that they had to be dragged in to be burned with the buildings. Looks like Doc's place is about the only one left standing, Jack says. He's surveying what was once their town. A couple of the larger buildings are still ablaze, while some of the smaller ones have gone out already. They get to Doc's place and they find the door locked and curtains still drawn. Doc! Smokey calls out. He finds a window with a curtain not pulled down and puts his face in the glass to try and look in. I can't see shit in here. Where the hell is he at? Doc! Sheriff calls out loudly, banging hard on the door. Alright, break it down, 
he says after a pause. They forced their way in. Doc's place is a two-room building. The main area is where he sees patients, and then in the back there's a doorway to where his bedroom is at. They have a look around, and unless Doc is in his bedroom, he's nowhere to be found. Holy shit, Jack says. He's standing next to Doc's exam table. Billy's body is still lying on it, completely sliced to hell. It looks like you went at Billy like he was a ham. Opened him up damn near everywhere, Smokey says. And look at these poor things, Jack says. He motions to a cage on the table with a few dead mice in it. Those dead mice look like hell. I bet they were infected. How the hell would that happen if they were in the cage? Smokey ponders. Sheriff tries the door to Doc's bedroom. It's locked, so he knocks on it lightly. Doc. Look here, Buffalo says. His writings. He holds up what appears to be Doc's journal. Hey, Smokey says loudly. Does he say if Sheriff is immune or whatever? Sheriff takes the journal and begins leafing through. It's a small diary, so not a ton is written on each page. No, he doesn't have much about me in here, the sheriff says. Well, what the hell has he been doing? Jack asks. Sheriff is reading a page. He isolated some samples of that silvery stuff in the water. It says here that it was all over Billy's insides. Here are a few of the journal entries that came out of Doc's journal. Entry 1 Whatever this material is that has affected the patient's body appears to be organic in nature. As near as I can tell with all my medical training, it's a bodily fluid of some kind, though where it originated from, I do not know. Looking at a sample under the microscope, it does not appear to be a pathogen at all, despite behaving like one. Transfers from bites, etc., I have never seen or heard anything like it. I have to get up to that lake to see that water and that object the men spoke about. So we went to the mountain? Smokey asked. No. Sheriff says bluntly. He keeps reading. Entry 2 I injected one of my mice with a compound several hours ago. It died. Later I left for supper and when I came back, it was alive again, although now it was completely rabid and insane. I attempted to euthanize it by injecting poison and it had no effect, though I did not expect it to. Only after using a scalpel to pierce the head and brain did the subject cease. Whatever this foreign substance is, it seems to concentrate in the brain of whatever creature it affects. There's more. The sheriff says. Entry 3 I tried something new since another experiment ended in failure. I poisoned another mouse and I waited for death to set in. I then injected a dose of the substance an hour after it had died. Ten minutes later, the mouse started to move. Only this time when it woke up, it was not insane. 
It appeared to be perfectly normal. I euthanized it and I did an autopsy. The substance had overrun the mouse's insides as before, but it had regenerated its blood flow and bodily activities. Its organs, heart, lungs, brain, it looked fully functional. No signs of decay or atrophy that would have occurred after death. If I could unlock this substance, this could be the greatest medical discovery in history. A possible end to sickness or death. It's unimaginable. I must keep working. I do hope the sheriff is still alive. I may have squandered the perfect test subject. So he's in here performing experiments. Jack asks. Does he know what the hell is going on out there? Sheriff turns the page. He knew. He says. It says right here. He read another passage. Entry 4 The town is gone. I hear the screams. It must be my nurse. I should have asked to see her finger. All I can do now is stay quiet and not attract any of their attention. I must unlock how this substance works. I attempted to repeat my successful experiment and it did not work. The same result in an undead mouse. The regenerative property of the substance only seems to work on the brain when it fails, and it only restores function on the most primitive of levels. Why did the sheriff from mouse number four's body appear to accept this substance? So then, he is here, Smokey asked. Doc! Smokey yells loudly. We got a problem, Sheriff says. He sets the book down on the table. He injected himself. What? With that crap? Jackass flabbergasted. Smokey picks up the book and looks at it himself. His last passage. Sheriff begins. He goes on about how he has to figure it out. How he's going to inject himself and how he has to feel it work. He also planned on injecting some medicinal things of his own in hopes that it would counteract the failure. We need to find him now, Buffalo says. All right, kick it down. Jack says walking towards Doc's bedroom. They heard a crash from the room and Jack stops dead in his tracks a few feet from the door. There's a few loud thuds, followed by a deep, guttural growl. Much louder and deeper than anything they've heard before. What in the bloody hell was that? Smokey asks. He's changed, Sheriff says. That sure doesn't sound like those other... Smokey starts. He doesn't get to finish his sentence. A gigantic creature smashes through the door, taking most of the wall with it. It has to be nearly seven feet tall and bulkier than a semi-truck. It scoops up Jack like he weighs no more than a con ball and crumbles him up like a piece of paper. The sound of snapping bones goes on for what seemed like ever, and blood and guts are oozing out of the crumpled heap that was Jack as the creature throws it on the ground. Smokey and Sheriff get shots off, but its hide is so thick they're nothing but annoying mosquito bites to it. Now there's a couple of ways I can try to give you a mental picture of what this creature is supposed to look like. 
If you're familiar at all with the Left 4 Dead franchise, you know what the tank is. If you don't know what that is, then you at least know who the Incredible Hulk is. Like I said, it's at least 7 feet tall. Its arms are twice as long as a man should be, and they're bigger than tree trunks. And its neck was nearly gone due to the overgrowth of bone and muscle. Anyway, the creature rushes the center of the room and raises both arms to try and smash the guys. Sheriff, Buffalo, and Fish hightail it outside. But Smokey has to dive out of the way as the creature destroys the exam table and Billy's body. Each step the creature takes sounds like thunder on the wood floor. Now when the creature raised its arm to smash, they went through the ceiling, which is probably what saved Smokey. The ceiling caved in and disoriented the creature, giving Smokey time to rush behind it and get out of the door. Jesus Christ! Smokey yells. What the hell is that? That's Doc. Sheriff says as they run back into the remains of town. It can't be. Smokey returns. God, we burnt everything to the ground. There's nowhere to hide. It's Doc, alright. The Sheriff says. Remember what he said. It could mutate a person. Make them grow bigger like that. Doc smashed his way out of his office, bringing down the rest of the building and started making his way towards the guys. He doesn't have super speed or anything, but he's much faster than the other zombies. Buffalo shoots an arrow at Doc and it just bounces off. Any ideas? Smokey asks, seemingly preparing for their death. Yeah, actually, the sheriff says. We'll lead it into my house. I just need to stay ahead of it. They headed west out of town towards the sheriff's house. They kept a brisk pace ahead of Doc until the sheriff's house is in sight and Sheriff runs into his barn. The rest of the guys rush in behind him. What's the plan? Fish asks. Sheriff pulls out a stick of dynamite from the barrel in the barn. I'm gonna blow him sky high. I've got two horses in the back there. You guys get them ready. So the guys take the horses out of the back while Sheriff waits for Doc. Doc seems to pick up the pace a little while Sheriff lights the dynamite. He drops the stick on the ground and hightails it out the back. He catches up with the guys behind a couple of trees, and they cover their ears as the stick explodes, destroying the barn and hopefully Doc too. And they come out from behind the trees to investigate. They see one of Doc's now massive arms sticking out from under a large pile of rubble. And they got him alright in that blast. They got him good. So everybody is standing there kind of relieved and Doc's arms begin moving. Oh shit, Smokey says. Doc starts rustling even more as the rubble pile begins to move as well. Anybody got anything else in mind? And the sheriff asks. Doc is rising out of the pile by now. Actually, I might have one, Smokey says. That blast gave me an idea. The old silver mine a couple miles north. Time to go, Fish says. Doc is back on his feet by this time and he seems to be regaining his bearings. They saddle up two per horse and start riding north. We get to the mine, there's all kinds of TNT still in there, 
smoky owls. We bring the mountain down on his ass. Good thinking. The sheriff hollers back, and they ride to the old mine, making sure that Doc stays behind them. I'm not sure if the blast pissed Doc off or if he was used to his new body now, but he's running full scale. If they hadn't been on horses, they would have been overtaken. They pick up the pace as the old mine comes into view. I guess the question is, Smokey begins, how do we get him in there and keep him in there long enough to blow the TNT and to have all of us get out safely? We don't. The sheriff says coldly, Huh? We lead him in there. You guys get out the side tunnel. I stay and blow the mine. Sheriff explains, No time to argue. Listen, I've got it in me. The sickness. Remember what he said. It all has to go. But you could be immune, Smokey says. Doc never ran the test. We don't know if I'm immune or a carrier. If I'm a carrier, I can still transmit it, even on accident. As long as I'm alive, this thing still exists. Smokey tried to argue some more, but Sheriff wouldn't have it. They all gather at the mine entrance as Doc comes barreling up. He picks up the pace when he sees them and he lets out a deafening roar. Smokey and the other guys run ahead and get the TNT ready. They make a huge pile and place a couple bundles strategically around all the exits. They lead the fuses back to the center of the room, where Sheriff will be able to quickly light them all. You guys head on out, the Sheriff says. They can hear echoing roars coming from the tunnels. You guys need to make that mountain trail impassable. Whatever way you can, make it so people can't ever get up there again. They quickly say their tearful goodbyes and haul ass down the second tunnel. They're just about back outside when there's an ear-shaking, deafening explosion which knocks them to the ground. Smokey Terrence sees the mines coming down on itself. Buffalo helps him to his feet and they get further from the entrance and clear off the dust. They check the main entrance as well as the last side tunnel to make sure that the mine is sealed off completely. Sheriff had brought down thousands of tons of rock down on himself and Doc. There is no way that Doc survived that one. The next day and over the next few weeks, Smokey, Buffalo, and Fish did what Sheriff said. They made the mountain trail impassable. They enlisted the help of a few others to get it done. But they did everything from chopping down trees, to fall over the trail, to cutting down cacti and throwing them on the trail too and to digging up the thorniest weeds and bushes they could find and replanting them on the trail. By just the next summer, it had become so overgrown that you would never know a trail had ever been there. Smokey also planted a large tombstone right at the head where the trail started, engraved with nothing but a skull and crossbones. And I guess that's the end of it. The small zombie outbreak was defeated and it appears they were successful. Almost 150 years later and no sign of any zombies out there. Now you're probably wondering about the evidence I mentioned right off the bat. About what's true about this story. There's a couple of things that support this event actually happening. First, according to family research, 
We think Smokey is my great-great-grandfather. My granddad did in fact go by the nickname Smokey, but we aren't able to identify if he's actually the Smokey from the story. And the second piece of evidence is the Doc's journal. Smokey kept it and it was still around as late as 1979, when it was lost in a house fire. My dad claims to have read some of it when he was a kid back in the 50s, and there is some passages about undead. The thing is, if it hadn't been lost in the fire, it would be pretty much illegible today, as it had deteriorated badly by that point. Thirdly, I have seen the skull and crossbones tombstone with my own eyes. It's very worn and deteriorated, but it's still there. It's a solid 8 mile hike from the nearest campground one way, and the trail isn't easy. But everybody in my family goes to see it at least once in their life. I walked into the woods a little bit beyond it and there's simply no going anywhere up there. It's too thick. They're trashing the place and 150 years of unbrindled overgrowth sure did the trick. It's probably good. For all we know, that lake is still infected. And those zombified turtles are still scuttering around in the sand up there.